If you want to know anything and everything there is to know about how to sell your house, you're in the right spot, my friend. Welcome to the How to Sell a House podcast. Welcome to another episode of How to Sell a House podcast. We are getting into an interesting topic today, and this is how to sell my house by myself, uh, which is we call it a FISBO for sale by owner. And we're going to kind of just lay out the process and everything that we do. Like we, we obviously are real estate agents. And so we, this is our job. We do this for a living, but we're going to just walk you through all the steps it takes to get your house, well, ready for the market, on the market, negotiate, sell, all those things. We're going to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of how to sell your house by yourself. I'm Cassidy Lewis. I'm Chris Erickson. And Lauren Sanders with the Beach Life Group and in we, wonderful San Diego. Yep. Don't forget where we're at. I know, that's right. We are agents here in San Diego. So if you are thinking about selling your house or buying a house, definitely get in touch with us. You can go to howtosellahousepodcast.com. And there's a ton of resources there. You can also get in touch with us there, all of our episodes. And if you're thinking about selling a house in a different market, we can definitely help you out with that as well. So get in touch. All a company if you're going to Hawaii or <laughs> but there's a there's a few different markets I, I'm happy to accompany with. That's right. But um, <laughs> no, we, we actually have great agents all over the country. So, But if you are trying to sell your house by yourself, like Cassie said, FSBO, FISBO, first sale by owner, there's a lot of steps you need to go through. So we're going to get into let you guys know how to sell your house by yourself. Step number one is going to be getting a new phone or phone number. A few ways to do that. You just get a Google number. You can go to CallReal, which is a system we use. There's a ton of other options out there. And you're like, why do I need a new phone number? Because you just want to track where all these calls are coming from. You're going to get a ton of calls from agents. They There's agents who build their business on this. They'll see it come up on Zillow or wherever you end up posting it. And they're going to be asking you for your business because you're not represented by anybody. So you're going to get a ton of calls when you do list your property from a ton of agents. But let's say your house doesn't sell for some reason and you decide you just don't want to sell it, things change or whatever. You want to be able to shut down that number because you know once you take it off the market, you're going to get a ton of calls from agents. You're going to get just you're just going to be getting calls. Everybody's going to have your number out there. It's going to be out in the the wild. So you want to be able to have something to shut that down if you do decide to take it off. Well, and a warning there too. Even this is a, a great tip. You will still get calls on your regular phone if it was listed or anything like that too, because a lot of those agents where that's their business plan, they're probably getting sent a couple of numbers to try. So this will take a ton of them off of your regular phone, but you will still get a couple that trickle in. The first thing, and we have a ton of episodes about this, it's either the DIY version or hiring people to come and help, but that's preparation. Make sure that it's as ready to go as possible before you put it on the market. Little things, curb appeal, landscaping, remodeling, anything that needs to be done to get it ready. And this can be done by yourself. Strongly suggest going through and looking at a lot of listings in your area to make sure that you're preparing to the standards that houses are going on our regular MLS, you want it to look like that even if you're selling it yourself. Make sure it's prepared, clean the windows, all of those things that we preach, just get it completely ready to go. Yeah, and as you're looking online, if you want to go see those houses in person, kind of see houses in your neighborhood popping up, go check out open houses and and give you a little bit better idea of how uh, agents are preparing the houses. Part of this too is a lot of the for sale by owners we see don't take this step. Like we see it a lot where they don't put it up because they 
a lot of folks think that they can do this in their sleep and it's not, and you can't, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. It's not more simple to sell it by yourself by any stretch of the imagination. So that preparation part is huge because it's not done by a lot of for sale by owners. Once you get your property ready to go, one of the things we do is we obviously get it prepped for the kind of marketing we're going to do. So I would sit back and go, what do I have in my arsenal that I'm going to use as my marketing plan? And then based on that, you're going to decide whether, you know, what kind of photography you need. Do you need just the house? Do you need exterior in the house? Do you need daylight, you know, twilight photos? You're going to do video. And then depending on where you're going to put these things online, you're, you know, you'll get the mix of what type of marketing you're going to do. While you're doing that, start thinking about a marketing strategy that you're going to use to position your house. Because really, really what you're doing is you want your house to be the first choice. So in your neighborhood, your area, when homes hit the market, that's always our goal. We want it to stand out. So somebody sees this house, they go, whoa, got to see that one if in your price bracket. So how are you going to do that? One thing not to skimp on is photography. It's like 80 something percent, but it's almost 90 percent of people find your house initially online. If your photography is bad, you're not going to get the kind of showings you want. You're not going to attract the kind of people you want. Think about using video. Think about are, are you going to use different social media platforms to market and how you're going to want, want that to look. And then are you going to co-op with agents? Some people, they just want to do the, the listing side themselves as a for sale by owner, but they want to open it up to the real estate market um, for their buyers, most homes sell with a real estate agent involved. So if you're going to use let agents participate, then you're going to want to get a list of those folks and you're going to want to send your marketing to those people. And usually um, you'd want to do that ahead of well before your house is going to actually start showing to kind of generate some interest, which is what we typically do. Like you're opening up a, a big movie. They don't just put the movie in the theater Friday. They do some lead up, they do some pre-marketing, they kind of build up to the big day. The very important thing about when you first hit the market, it's everybody's first impression. Part of the marketing, we're not, I'm not going to go into it deeply here, but the way you price your house is part of your marketing. So think about that as well. Pricing is one of the biggest marketing pieces you have, and that just kind of positions you in the market with other comparable properties in the neighborhood and stuff. We'll get to that in a little bit, but with all this marketing comes costs. So put together some sort of a budget, like Lauren said, for professional photos, professional videos, don't use your cell phone. There's even agents who still use their mm -hmm. cell phone. Looks horrible. Compare, if you compare a picture, a professional picture to, and I mean, iPhones, they take good pictures, but that you're not a photographer. I mean, maybe you are a photographer. You are great. That, <laughs> but you know, you but the difference between a photographer and a real estate photographer is also very obvious. Yeah. Like it's very obvious in the equipment they use. It's very obvious in where they're set up. Yeah, don't photos. hire your portrait person to come because you happen to there be a friend. And, the, and they'll be in most like the like family photographers and stuff, they'll be honest with you and tell you that that's just not their forte. Hire a real estate photographer is the biggest. It's probably the biggest thing in all of the stuff we're talking about. Yeah, and with your marketing budget too, did you are you like Lauren mentioned? Are you going to run some social media ads on Facebook to get more exposure? Are you going to run some YouTube ads? Are you going to run any other you know print ads, which you know are still a thing? Newspaper, all that kind of stuff. Come newspaper. Newspaper. <laughs> we guys still have those. But I mean, you could go super simple for marketing and throw it up on Craigslist with your pictures and see what happens. You'll probably, I mean, depending on the market, you'll probably get some calls. 
But with all of this, the main focus and to get the most money out of your house, if you're selling it by yourself, is you're going to want the most exposure. So okay, go Craigslist, throw it on Zillow. You can hire somebody uh, services to after you get all your pictures and all that stuff to put it on the MLS, which is our multiple listing service. That's where we put all of our properties and it gets exposure to every single agent out there who is looking for a property and in turn, every buyer. And then from there, it blasted out to all the sites, including Zillow and Redfin and Compass and any of the sites that you've seen online. You can market it super simple, but if you want the most money, you want the most exposure. The, yeah, that's the big thing is you're you're looking at your buyer pools. So you put it on Craigslist, your buyer pool is very small to start. As you add it to more and more things, and especially opening up to co-op- cooperating with a buyer's agent, your buyer pool just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And what that means is the potential to get more money for your house. So if you're doing this yourself, you want to make sure that you are putting it out to as many people as you can, rather than just sticking a sign in your front yard and whoever drives by is your only buyer. So that's the biggest thing is make it available to as many people as possible. Yeah, streamline that because most buyers, you know, they're not going to jump through hoops. They would in our previous market, but where we're getting to with a normalized market where there's plenty of things to choose from. We'll get into showings and kind of how you go through that here shortly. But one other thing that's marketing, it's going to be a cost is get a, get a yard sign. It's easy for the neighbors, everybody driving through. You can get sign calls, people driving by. Even in today's market, when you have everything on the internet, some people cruise through neighborhoods are interested in the house. So you got that sign in the front yard. It's a somewhat minimal cost. Put it there. People know your house for sale. Just another marketing uh, part of that marketing piece. Going old school here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to have it in there. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's true. You need to let everybody know. Also, just kind of a tip, also having a custom sign made. Since you're only selling one house, you're only selling yours, having a custom sign made that has maybe some of the information about the house is not the worst idea ever to either because it'll minimize calls on people that aren't looking for a three-bedroom or for whatever, whatever the item might be. But it's also just kind of adds that one step above what another yeah. for sale by owner Totally, especially yeah. if you have some hot items that you can't see from the exterior like yeah. hey you got a great view or you or got a pool or whatever yeah. like some of those things yep. can be shown and it's just eye-catching that's yep. the one thing great is, tip thank you and with that too on that sign so people can get some more information just off there with everybody's got their cell phones you can throw a qr code up there that drops them to your website if you do have a website for your property or you can just put the website url up there so just another way to direct them to uh, another place where they could see more information about your house, another you know area to market it. One more little tip on the on that too is the the website part of it. If you hire a professional real estate photographer, they will have most of them will have website options for you as well. So they can do that and handle that for you too. So prior to getting your photos and video done, also is getting it staged. So is it going to be vacant? Are you going to add some staging furniture? Are you going to hire a stager to come in and tell you what needs to be done, or are you going to just have them come in and do it? So the staging factor is huge when you're trying to maximize what you're trying to get. Staging return on investment is, it's a giant number. Like we don't, I don't know the stats currently, but when you stage your house, you get more money for it. So definitely something to keep in mind. And you can go full on out, hire a stager, have them come in, do everything for you. Uh, you can have them just come give you a consultation. You can just, if you haven't got a good eye, you can go to, uh, what's your store, Cassidy? Home Goods? Home Goods. Home yeah. Goods, yeah. Go to Home Goods, get everything you need there. You know, spend a few hundred, you know, three, four, five hundred bucks and get some some little things to kind of spruce up 
the property, when you're getting it staged and you're getting it ready, one thing to keep in mind too, you're not getting it prepared for you. You're getting it prepared for potential buyers. So don't make it too distinct in your taste and what you like. Kind of go neutral. You know, as you're going checking out all those open houses, getting everything else ready, that's just another thing when you're getting it staged and getting it set up for the pictures and stuff. You kind of want it to be a broad spectrum. So depersonalize in general. Depersonalize. And declutter. And declutter. So the the next big thing, maybe one of the well, it is one of the bigger things. I guarantee your buyer will think it's one of the bigger things. It's the price that you put on your home. So your pricing strategy. And so that takes a little bit of thought preparation prior to getting your house on the market. You're going to want to go look at as many houses inside as you can in your neighborhood to get a real sense. And this is going to be a little more difficult because you love your house like you should and you, you know, think it's the best. We all think our house is the best. There's some comparison shopping you're going to need to do ahead of the time to see where you think your home fits in in the marketplace. Make sure you do that. The other thing you could do if you just said, hey, I am i don't want to do that. I'm going to hire an appraiser and pay 500 bucks, have them come out and tell you what an appraiser views the house at. The only problem with that is what a house will appraise for and what you can or what we could sell it for is many times not the same number. Yeah, he's look, he's working for the bank typically yeah. is their normal job. But, you know, you can tell them what the appraisal's for. But that's one thing. If, like, you don't feel comfortable going in people's houses and thinking, then get an appraisal. You know, you can do a lot of research online. But it, it's really hard to understand the complete value of a home without having seen it inside and the surrounding area. And some because, you know, we've... I've seen, how many times have you seen a great house online? We go show it and you show up, you go, oh. That's why. There's a goat farm next door or something, you know, I mean, what, whatever. <laughs> or out in San Marcos, the, uh, you know, the, our elephant forest, the, you know, there's some land out there where it kind of smells when you drive through <laughs> from, from the, ca- was it ca- cows, right? The dairy. The chickens. The dairy and the chickens oh, are the yeah. worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's just a kind of a funny example. When you're preparing your pricing, you know, there's some homework to be done. You don't just go on and go, hey, I'm three bedroom, uh, three bath, 2,200 square feet, and the average price per square foot in Carlsbad is $872, and plug that in and you have a number. It's it's not that simple, so don't, don't um, look at it that way. But go see what you're in comparison. You want to also compare what's sold recently, so at least do some drive-bys on – Hey, here's five homes that have sold in my area. How long did they take to sell? The questions you want to ask yourself when you're doing that. How does the house look? How long ago did it sell? Close. Um, you want to really keep it within three months if you can. You know, what price, if you can tell what it was originally listed at and what it sold for, that would be some good information to have. And how fast did it sell? Yeah, one thing, we call it run comps, which I mentioned we have a whole other episode on pricing your home and the pricing strategy we have and, and pricing it low right at market, high, all that kind of stuff. So go listen to that episode. Go dive dive in and exactly our process going through that. Don't just hop on Zillow, though, and use the Zestimate. While it is a ballpark and get you in somewhat of a range, it is art. You're going to want to see, like Lauren said, cruise around, see what's actually going on out there. So as you're bringing up the recently sold properties, the more current they are, the better comparable property they are. So one of the things you don't want to price it too high as well because – other buyers out in the market, they have access to all the information just like you. And so they know kind of what home value should be. Pricing high, one strategy that people have is pricing high to bring the market to you. It doesn't necessarily always work. 
Uh, you might get some lowball offers. It's probably going to have a longer market time. People are going to wonder as the market time goes up, potentially what's wrong with the property. And usually in that case, in this scenario, it's going to be that price. And buyers have seen a lot of these houses. So if you can't, like if you say you get an offer from one of the buyers you're working on, they're going to have many times seen maybe what they're going to compare your house against. So if you have that knowledge in your uh, in your mind, then it, it definitely helps you down the road when we talk about negotiating. That's another Yeah, another one thing. little tip when you're running data and trying to figure all this out. Actually, Redfin Data Center has a pretty good insight into they don't have market specific to your city. But if you're in any of the big metros, like we're in San Diego, they have a pretty good market info on what's going on. But as you're thinking about pricing your market, it really comes down to your specific neighborhood, your specific city, where you're at, and what's selling in your neck of the woods. Yeah, Realtor.com has some great info, too, mm-hmm. uh, inside on inventory levels and different things. Chris talked about Zillow. Keep in mind, even on Zillow's site, if you're using that for price, they're off 6.8%. or I think it's in that range the last time I saw, on average. But they can be significantly low sometimes and three several hundred thousand dollars high i would say if you're in a condo you can that's a better guide but there's other sources check multiple sources if you can go to the different sites and see what different values are and do your own i I mean i think all doing all of these things is the best thing for pricing it is for sure because you've got the more data points you have to come up with with a good price and you you know i mean your initial price you hit the mark market with it's only it's a one-time event so if it's super important you sell, especially if your timing's important, then um, you want to make sure you get that part uh, really dialed in. Yeah, don't put it on and then increase it or decrease it in a day. Like we even see agents make that mistake where they put it on, they get too many phone calls, and their clients ask them to raise the price by ten grand. Like it's just not visually not a good thing. So make sure you do your homework on your price first. Put it on at that price. Let it marinate. All right, so if you got it, you got your your property ready. You've done all your preparation. You got the photos. It's on the market. Now you're going to get ready for showings. One thing that you're going to want to have at your property, get it at Home Depot or whatever. You're going to want a lockbox because you're going to get ready for showings. And ideally, you shouldn't be there for showings. That's what we. Uh, that's what we. Why, why do you all say? Why do you say that, Chris? Uh, because it is. It's. You want the buyer to put themselves in the property, cruise around. Uh, you see, there's Feel things comfortable. About, yeah, there's things about your house that you like that you want to your your selling points, if you will. Not necessarily good points for the buyer. Let them go explore themselves. Let them fall in love with the house. Let them do their own investigations as cruise around. Let them see themselves living there. It is just a mistake if you're kind of uh, in their back pocket and pointing out all the stuff that you just did and. Let them figure all that out by themselves. They're going to like it or not. Or maybe if they do like it and you're kind of selling them or reverse selling them, mm-hmm. unselling them, on maybe they just didn't like kind of how you were showing them around, but they love the house. They might not write an offer on that. I mean, it's just a mental thing. Like people just might be pushed away from that kind of stuff. So definitely put a lockbox on. There's digital ones too. Or like I said, you could just go get a combo one because you're going to want people to be able to get in the house. The more they can see it, the better. Yeah, you may want to add cameras to that setup, too, if you're concerned. Make sure you notify them if you're going to do that particular Mm -hmm. thing. And one thing to think about, too, is when you're adding the lockbox, are you going to make the lockbox available to individual buyers or just agents? Because that's a big part of this, too, is if since you are doing it yourself, you don't have that added level of 
knowing security. who's going in your house yeah. and security. So maybe make a plan for if a buyer's agent calls you and is going to show the house, you can give them the lockbox code. Don't give it out to everybody. Don't well, put it out there the, for um, Cassie's making an extremely important point. The full thing to do too is get a picture of the person's business card, mm-hmm. their license number. Get the person that's showing the house is a copy of their driver's license yeah. before they show up. I, that, that's the one thing that can be could get gnarly if it's not done right. So if you don't know who the person is coming to look at the house, tell them to send a picture of their driver's license to you so you have that. Yep. And agent too. Make sure you get a picture of their card. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's great, a huge – Great points. And that's a – yeah, that's a big part of this too is – and so maybe your plan is to give the lockbox code to the buyer's agent and then get a – like Lauren said, get a picture of their card so you have the information of who was in the house – and maybe even if you don't want, if you, we suggest you not tour them around, but if it's an individual buyer, maybe you let them in and you stay outside and don't give them any tips or what you love about your house. Just let them in and then you go in and answer lock up questions after. after. Yeah, answer questions. Because they'll have questions, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. And just make sure that you're, that if, I mean, that just might be a way that you feel more secure doing it and not just giving out the lockbox code to individuals. If I was selling my house, on my own, I'd do the same thing. If no, somebody called me direct, you. we wouldn't let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd let Chris do it. Yeah. Um, but I just mean, if we were going to, we, I would do that. I'd have a lockbox for agents and I would open it up for individual buyers with that in mind that just for security purposes. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a secondary reason for all that too, which is in another point is you're going to want to follow up with everybody that comes through the house. You know, sometimes you won't have to, cause they'll, be excited and maybe want to write an offer and then you'll hear back from them. But you're going to want to get feedback along the process and monitor what's going on. You know, as you monitor what's going on in your market, you want to get feedback from people that have actually seen your house. So, And with all that, once it does go live and showing start and all that kind of stuff, be ready. If you're at work, that phone is going to be ringing. So have some time to you know, potentially talk to the, if they're, you're working with buyer's agents or buyers or to answer the questions to Give them information on going into the house. You know, everybody's going to call with questions. Just kind of get some more information. So it is going to take some time out of your day. Just be prepared for that. Set some time up for the day. It's the week. And obviously you can deal with that too. But yeah, you're going to have multiple showings a day likely. To do it successfully, like we talked about, this is our full-time job. To do it successfully, you need to kind of take an take this on as a job until it's done. Chris said it might take taking a couple days off, especially in that initial burst onto the market, depending on how many people you open it up to. Hugely important to be available to show, available to take questions, available to take offers. And that's a big part of this. So let's say you've got this whole thing going, you're on a roll, you've had a lot of showings and you got an offer. So what do you do now? I mean, this this is another critical part of this phase is you're going to want to vet that offer. One thing I do, and this is maybe I shouldn't give up this tip here, but <laughs> but um, I always do a a check online for whoever the buyers are, search their name, and also if they're working with an agent, search their name because I want to kind of have some context of who I'm dealing with. You're going to want to do that. You're going to want to sit down in a focused area where you can read through the offer, make sure you understand all the details. If they're using a standard form in California, it is a lot of pages. One of your pre-things you can do before you even get to this stage is get a copy of the offer form you're going to use. And if you have questions on it, talk to an attorney to 
so you know what the ramifications are of what you're signing and what you're agreeing to. There's a lot of different check boxes, uh, title, escrow, loan. Um, so you're going to want to talk through all of those things. Find out first question you want to ask whoever's, if it's the buyer bringing you an offer directly, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your offer. Tell me about your financing. And I need a copy of your a bank statement to show whatever down payment you're using. And then also, do you have a letter from a lender that you're dealing with? And may I please call them? Will you please clear it for me to talk to them about your situation? So all of those things you kind of, as part of the offer, getting ready. And then we use a form, uh, especially if you have more than one offer, you're going to want to have some kind of form to track the important details, the price, the closing date, the down payment, the deposit, Contingency periods, contingency periods, inspections, yeah. appraisal, loan contingency, all yeah. that kind of well, stuff. There's a, there's a bunch of things you're going to want to check off. And so get a piece of paper, write all those things out, look at the offer. Many times it might not be the price you want. So think about how you're going to negotiate with that particular person and what you're going to use as your strategy. Well, we talked about going and v- viewing homes and having doing running your own comps. This is an important part of the pre-work. So when you're in an offer stage, you have some authority, you know what things have sold for. And if you've seen them, then that definitely helps. So there's a checklist you're going to want to go through for all of these things. The best thing I can tell you um, is to read through the forms you're going to get, both the offer form, there's a bunch of different addendums. And and there's some things that you're required to provide in California to a seller. There's a zone disclosure that we have a service that provides these zone disclosures. You don't have to use the service, but then you're on the hook for what you say about whether there's past military ordinance in your area. You know, High fire zones. Yeah, there, like there's that. all kinds of zones. So there's some disclosure companies. Get that package ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and dis- disclosures is a huge one. Disclose, disclose, disclose. Don't hide anything. Tell every possible negative thing that's ever happened. Any leaks, Any anything. I mean, you just want to... Well, the you forms are going to ask you a bunch of questions. Yeah. Like, have you had a leak before? Have you painted recently? Why did you paint? You know, what? Yeah. yeah so just make sure, yeah, make sure that you over disclose, not under, because you leave yourself open to some painful things if something wasn't disclosed. Totally. That's, that's part of some buyers' hesitancy working with for sale by owners, too, is that they're not going to get that full package of things that they should know about the property. So it, I would even have an inspection myself if I was selling the house myself and have that available to people. Anyway, go through your checklist. If you've got that one offer, call the um, lender directly. The questions you're going to want to ask the lender are about their qualifications. Number two, have you verified this? Have you run their credit, verified the money in the bank, verified their job at this point if they're if it's based on a job? Because some people are just going to hand you a letter that they've filled out some form online mm-hmm. and the company basically has no information other than what they've provided. So yeah, you want pre-approval you, with docs yeah, to the lender. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, or, or underwriting approval would be yeah. um, a good case, which means if you have underwriting approval, that lender has gone through the whole process with the buyer and they're ready to go other than the property. Those are just some of the things you're going to want to think about before you then read through the offer and then how you're going to respond to them uh, in a counter offer form. If that's the thing, you know, make sure that you understand the timelines, what they're asking of you. Check all of the small little things. Some some people will throw in, hey, I want closing costs of $10,000. And if you don't read through and make sure you're dialed in on that, you might 
surprise yourself. If they're a VA buyer, you're going to want to know how that works. If it's that situation, you know, is there VA cost that's extra that I have to bear as a seller? So you understand everything. The offer is the critical point you're trying to get to, but just getting an offer, even if the price is great, if you don't dial in on these things and make sure that it's all what you think it is and you're responding appropriately, it can be significant. All right. So once you have gone through the whole offer, you know all the paperwork, you've accepted an offer, you're going to open escrow or depending on where you were, title, depending on what what part of the country you're in, make sure you hire a good company, a reputable company for that. They might be slightly more expensive than somebody else, but usually in every situation, you get what you pay for. Escrow company is kind of that neutral third party between you, the seller and the buyer. They're just kind of like quarterbacking the whole, the whole deal and making sure they're if there's HOA docs that need to be ordered, if there are the title squared away, they're with the title company. Like I said, it's different different parts of the country. They coordinate but with the lenders. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of getting all that. So make sure you get a good company for that to kind of help you in the transaction. And one tip too, which is another additional charge, if you want to hire a transaction coordinator, they're few hundred bucks. They will also help you with all the paperwork, make sure everything's in line, make sure everything's accurate, make sure everything's signed. T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. So that's a whole bunch of tips on how to sell your house by yourself. If you are still thinking that way, good luck. There's a lot of things to do, but hopefully this has helped give you some insight in what we do to get houses ready to sell. And if you are thinking about selling your house and you want to work with an agent, definitely get in touch with us. You can go to howtosellahousepodcast.com. And if you're in San Diego, we'd love to help you. We'd love to chat. But if you're not, still get in touch and we can help you find a great agent in your neck of the woods. Catch you on the next one.